So, uh, God, we just thank you for tonight. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking for uh, words from heaven that change earth tonight. We thank you for the angel of revelation that's here. And Lord, we thank you that Jesus is here. And the Holy Spirit's here. And the hosts of heaven are here. And Lord, I don't know why, but tonight I have a profound sense that there's some clouds of witnesses watching what's happening here tonight. So Lord, just uh, uh, I ask that we would just execute what you want us to execute so that they would know that your plan is being fulfilled in the earth. Glorify your Son here tonight. Thank you for even miracles taking place. Thank you for even the angels that are sent to bring miracles to this room. Glorify your Son. I need your help, Lord. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Put your words in my mouth and be glorified. Amen. Yeah, so tonight, um, I, I just, I don't know why, just before I left the hotel room, kind of thought I was going in one direction, but I, I started thinking, I don't know why, I started thinking about my like history with the Lord, and then, uh, and then I felt like the Lord just wanted me to just, uh, it, I, I'm almost going to just talk tonight in a sense if you were sitting in front of me and things I, I think you need to hear tonight. And um, kind of like if we were sitting at a kitchen table or something or eating, you know, I know uh, there's Pentecostals and Charismatic in the room, so we eat. So that's what we do. Like, and so I, I'm just going to go in that direction. And uh, that, that's what I felt to do. And, I, you know, I'm not really in charge here. He's in charge, but I know he wants to speak something through that. But I will tell you this. Jesus is here. I saw him. And uh, the wonderful thing about the Lord, keep this in mind, God wants you as free as him. God has no issues. God has no hang-ups. God's not depressed. God, God, God's definitely not sick. And he's definitely not broke. <laughs> I'm convinced now, the longer I walk with the Lord, when certain people get to heaven, they're going to have to go to deliverance or Bible school. Maybe both. Because, you, you know, you get in, just, you know, if you make him Lord of your life, you're, you're in. Now, the key is that you don't want to just get in. You want something to give them when you get in. This is the shortest part of your life you will ever live. It's fascinating, right? And thank God, if you're in Christ, you never experience death. I've been meditating on this thought this last week. It's like, I'm never going to die. Like, I know they might have a funeral. By the way, I'm shooting for 120. You do whatever you want. You think, see, you're laughing because we haven't been taught well enough in that area. He said, if you meditate on the law, he'll extend to you the years of your life. You know, we've got to resist culture. But I'm never going to die. Like, people think, like, oh, you know, like, oh, Harold got hit by the car. Must have been terrible. No, Harold didn't feel a thing. Harold was driving, drinking a 7-Up, and the next thing he knows, he's in heaven. 
or with the Lord at least. It's like you're not like if you're in Christ, this is good news. This is really good news. You get to start, but you but you don't. You know we know this. Like you're not. You're in heaven now. If you live from the right perspective, if you believe the Bible, and so um, I, I just thought I'd encourage you that, like God, I, I, I've been really thinking about that. God wants wants you as free as Him. He really is. He's got no like. God has no flaw because He's God. In fact, that is uh, one of the descriptions of God. Hebraically is, and I was thinking about this, that Hebraically that He, if you talk to, especially a Jew, they'll talk, what's one of the characteristics of God? Oh, He's one and He's whole. He's one and He's whole, and that's where we get the word holiness. That's why, like, he, holiness is actually a wonderful thing. He wants you whole. He wants you free of anything that would keep you from connecting with Him, from operating properly. So that's why holiness is good. Holiness is coming back to the church in America. Um, but if you want to start in uh, Genesis 1, uh, if, you, I just, if you just spend time around me, you know that I don't believe that you can understand how God wants to relate to humanity and how God wants to relate uh, and, and God's purpose for the earth unless you start in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And you can't understand the Great Commission outside of Genesis 1, especially Genesis 1, which we'll read here in a minute. You can't understand God's intention. And, and we'll, we'll talk about that here in a moment. So Genesis chapter 1 uh, God speaks the universe into existence and His words create what He desired. God did not create something out of nothing. He created it from the faith of God. According to uh, Mark, the 11th chapter, God, uh, he, uh, when, when, when Jesus teaches about faith, he, he says, have God's faith. And then when he, when he, in Romans 4, when He's talking about um, talking uh, a God speaking to Abraham, and he said, and it's God who calls things be not as though they are. And then God is described as having a heart and a mind. And so the mind of God, how many know the world was not unintentional? So, so, so he's like got this specific intent for the earth, and from that specific intent, it's, it, the, the world is out of it is void and, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And what's really interesting there, it says the Holy Spirit, this is Genesis 1, 1, 1, 1 through 3 there, the Holy Spirit is brooding, but the Holy Spirit has nothing to do unless God speaks. Really important. Some of you, your breakthrough is not in, in, is not in like another prophetic word. Your power is in your believing and your saying. Believes those things he says. God believes everything he says, and he wants us to believe everything we say. So he speaks the universe into existence, and then he creates the crown jewel of creation, which is man. And then God said, Let us make man in our image. Image is likeness, resemblance, patterned after, according to our likeness. 
and let them. That's a, a really key phrase right there. That defines what I, I call a biblical worldview, which I believe that the Western church needs to really get an upgrade on a biblical worldview because the confusion comes, and no, none of us have arrived, but the confusion comes is that we try and add our experiences and our culture to a kingdom worldview instead of allowing a kingdom worldview to define us. And really the truth is we're all one step of being really dumb when we're educated by the world system. No, it's true. The trouble is, is when people's own personal opinion overrides what God says. Or if we repeat things over and over again or repeat a particular paradigm and we, we focus on that. I believe one of the things the Lord is trying to deliver us, uh, of us from is a focus on going to heaven instead of bringing heaven to earth. Because you have to have a vision. I, I, obviously, we, one day we're going to transition to another place. But it, here, here's the problem. The problem is he told us to disciple nations. The problem is Jesus never taught his disciples to fly away. No, he didn't. He just, I mean, not, just read the Gospels. The problem is we, we come to conclusions like this, like, well, brother, you know, this world's going to hell, and you know, if we, we can just get a few souls into that. Like, that's not true. To say getting souls to heaven is the number one job of the church is to say that the most important thing in my house is the door. Look at the door. It's amazing. It's beautiful. It's like awesome. It's really nice. And look at the door. Now there's something behind that door that's really important. Obviously, we want to, you know, this is a season of harvest, evangelism, all that stuff. I'm not saying that. But if you're just focusing on the door, you'll just get the door. So when the church was focused on giving the world a vision of heaven, the world system was changing the world, and it went to hell. The church in America was silent when Roe versus Wade was being legislated because they thought that's not important because we're going to heaven one day. So some kids who should have been preaching the gospel got aborted because the church stayed silent. They're like, we're going to heaven one day. What's that important? Like, well, yeah. We still got to live here for a while. So you have, to have, you have to have a relevant vision for the world. Oh, I'm not, obviously, I'm not saying, because I feel this, I'm not saying it's not important to be born again, obviously. But, I mean, you imagine like Jesus, when he called his disciples, like, all right, you guys are with me, just die now. No, he taught them how to do what he told them to do. And most of the time, we have an obsession for the world that we're going to because we're getting beat up in the world that we're in. And he didn't ever intend you to get beat up. Some of that, I mean, obviously there's, I told you I'm just going to talk to it. I know that there's suffering that we don't understand. There's, there's obvious truth. When you 
represent the Lord Jesus Christ. They're suffering. But a lot of the suffering people talk about in the American church has nothing to do with biblical suffering. And people become like martyrs, like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm getting beat up. You know, I'm sorry, God is good. No, He's good enough to keep you from getting beat up. Talking. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them. That's really key. Notice he doesn't say let us. He says let them. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over all the cattle. And then he reemphasizes that point by the Holy Spirit over all the earth. 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 He's putting them in charge of the earth. He's making a choice. He's making a choice. But there's something he's establishing here that's really, really important. Over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I love what Charles Cap said many years ago. So he said, so you got dominion over creepy people. <laughs> Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. We'll go back to that, but uh, let me finish this. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, the blessing of the Lord. You'll notice there that the blessing of the Lord is everything about God being given to man to be prosperous, to be overcoming, and to live a brilliant life for eternity. And you'll notice the biblical pattern. I believe God is a God of patterns and a God, a God of seasons. The biblical pattern is that every time he comes to man and makes covenant, he reinstitutes that blessing. There's only one blessing in the Bible. Don't diminish it. We've diminished it to just, ah, bless you, and the people don't even know what they're saying. When you're saying the blessing of the Lord, you're saying, everything about my God is given to you. Shalom, peace, prosperity, wholeness is now being released to you. And God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. I want to look at a few characteristics out there. Uh, first thing you see is that man is the one giving, given charge of the earth. But there's, 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 a, there's an intersection there, and it's this. I don't know if intersection is the right word, but there's this uh, tension, if you will, that man is given charge of the earth. Psalm 8 You've, you, uh, you've made him to have dominion over all the works of your hand. Psalm 115, the heavens, even the heavens are the Lord, but the earth, but the earth, he's given to the sons of man. In Genesis 1, verse 1, the very first scripture that we find in the canon he gives us is God creates the heavens and the earth. How many know he didn't need a place to live? According to Psalm 11, he sets up his throne in heaven. So God is in heaven, makes man his representative of the earth. To see Adam and Eve was to see God in the earth. God's representative. God's man and woman. So what is he doing? He is, he, here's also an important principle. The other principle, the important principle is this, is that man wasn't created to take care of himself, but through trust in God, he could receive everything he ever needed. You were not created to take care of yourself. 
So the connection between God and man is trust, or the, the, the term we use today is faith. Now here's where it even gets better, though. Every, uh, everything that God had ever required of man, he gave him the ability to do. Now, being in charge of the earth is a really, really big deal. So here's where it even gets better. The whole of Scripture has nothing to do with what you can do on your own. This whole thing was set up not based on your own strength. Usually, because I've been there, when God asks you to do something, you think how you can do it in your own strength. But the whole thing, the whole thing was set up, this whole thing, and what is he setting up? Here's another important principle he's establishing here. God is not interested in, in establishing a religion on the earth. He's interested in making the earth a colony, heaven, a colony of earth. Therefore, he's coming to establish his kingdom. And he made Adam and Eve his ambassadors. Now, what is an ambassador? Really important. I was in London uh, in July. I'm doing a little better about being a tourist. I went on this bike ride. I liked it. Three hours where you're moving exercise and you get to see all these cool spots in London. We stop in this square and in the middle of London there's a Canadian embassy. I said, oh that's interesting. In the middle of London, the UK, you have a Canadian embassy. As soon as you walk through that fence there, all the rules of Canada apply even though you're in London. Now this is what an ambassador is supposed to be if they're functioning properly. An ambassador, by the way, uh, a similar, similar type of scenario. When I, uh, I live outside of Fayetteville, Fort Bragg, got some brilliant guys that go to our, uh, my home church, and you know, they're, some of them are real high up and stuff. Some, you know, they get deployed, sometimes I'll ask them, hey, where are you going? And they'll say, well, I'm, going, you know, I'm getting deployed here, or I'm going to Korea. Or I'm, and I've never heard them say, hey, will you believe God with me that I'll have enough clothes to get there? And that the plane will get, you know, we'll have the money for the plane ticket and stuff. Never said that to me. Why? Because the U.S. government is sending them there. And so the sending government makes sure they got their uniforms. They got the ability to get there. They make sure their family is going to be taken care of. Same thing with an ambassador. When an ambassador goes to another country, they don't worry about where their kids are going to go to school. They don't worry about where they're going to live. They don't worry about having enough money to live in that country. But the job of that ambassador is this. The job of that ambassador is to represent the interest of the country he is being sent for. So an ambassador never, ever, ever, ever gives their opinion. When you ask them about something, oh, what, is your, what is your country's opinion on same-sex marriage? Oh, the opinion of my nation. They never say my opinion. They say the opinion of my nation. Or our constitution dictates this. So when you see them, you see what that country believes. 
When you saw Adam and Eve, you were supposed to see an expression of who God was in the earth. God speaks the universe into existence. Then Adam names all those animals. There's another key principle. The first voice that Adam ever heard was the voice of God. What qualified Adam to be the ambassador or God's representative of the earth? Because God told him. Adam was also given a brilliant mind. So, what are we seeing develop? The connection between God and man is man's trust in the words he speaks and the authority he gives him. You can do anything God tells you to do. As long as he told you to do it. Now, a key that we'll talk about, I'm just talking tonight, remember? A key about that, though, is what I've learned myself and with people is you can have a correct word from the Lord, but if you don't discern the season or how to walk that out, that word will not profit you anything. Timing is critical to the purposes of the Lord. Think about it. If Jesus started his public ministry as soon as he got out of diapers, go, I'm the Messiah, the Lord, God told me. Wrong season. It says, in the fullness of time. So, timing. We'll, we'll, we'll title this tonight, Abner Rants. No, uh, <laughs> Kingdom Foundations That'll Save Your Life. Things that I've learned. You were not created to take care of yourself. The foundation of your relationship with God is trust in God. The voice of God is critical in your development with God. God did not intend to set up a religion on the earth. This is really, really important. Because it's not that God is without power right now on the earth. It's He is looking for accurate representations of Him. God desired to establish a thing called the kingdom of God. Now, it wasn't like God lost power in the earth when Adam sinned. It was like this. It was like He had a colony on the earth and the, and the, men, and the man and the woman in charge of that colony declared their independence from him, and so now they got squatters in the earth, called the devil and all his demons. Now, kingdom foundations, another part of a kingdom foundation is this, what, what, what a hit, it's really important. It is, in the kingdom of God, part of the foundation of the kingdom of God is a family. Men and women. That's why you see, this is not, this is not like the enemy's one step short of being in a loony bin. But he does know some things. He knows if he can undergird the, the natural gender roles that God gives people, you undercur, un, un, uh, you break up the foundation of a healthy society. What's the foundation of healthy society? Families. I mean, 
you don't need much data to look at the issue of most people, most men and women in prison come from either one single family home or I didn't even know my parent home. So the foundation of the kingdom was a family. Now, my own journey, go back to my journey now. This is why I was thinking about this tonight. I was thinking about the environment that I grew up in. What was the environment that I grew up in? My, mom, my dad escaped from Cuba in 1969. No one's trying to get there for their free health care or their free education. They have no wall either. The side note there. My mom grew up in Puerto Rico, extremely poor, but one, I think, uh, 12, and her, my grandfather was a Pentecostal preacher. They meet each other. They get born again. And this is the environment that I grew up in. The environment, I, I was going to around the things of God from the moment I was conceived. And I remember as a child, my mom was a school teacher. She'd get home from school. She, you know, she'd give you the snack and then she'd go into a room to pray. And she was classic Pentecostal, so she got on her knees. And she didn't have nice prayers. She hadn't gotten the love thing yet, but we, you know, we're still working on her. So we're all works in progress. She would say, God, my son is yours. I gave him to you. Keep him, Lord, all the days of his life. Lord, make it really difficult for him to sin. Make him miserable unless he serves you all the days of his life. I don't care what he does, but let him serve you all the days. She doesn't know she's praying for a preacher. Make him miserable. And then, when I was about five years old, she got a prophecy. Because I used to run around the church. That's a, what, what's, a, what's something else? What, why, why am I saying this? Because the foundation of the kingdom is family, and, and, and not family, but what is modeled to you. Because if the family is healthy, and I'm not saying my family's arrived, but I am saying that I had certain things modeled to me that I picked up in the environment that I was in. One of those things that is really missing in our kingdom culture, but also in our society today, is commitment. I remember when, um, when, when they would announce that a guest speaker was coming to my church, they would, uh, you know, they'd, they, I, I remember at least one guy, because I, I didn't really like him, Evangelist Kruger, because he wanted everyone to talk in tongues. I just wasn't there yet, you know, you're four years old. You know. <laughs> and when I was younger, it was all week, Sunday to Sunday. You know, then they, then they you know, they cut it down. I think when I got a little older, maybe five, they're like, he's coming Sunday through Wednesday. That's why I just thought traveling preachers are weird. They all lived in RVs. 
Evangelist Cougars coming in five weeks. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Now, I'm not saying this is wrong, but this is the way I grew up. My parents didn't pick one night they're coming to. They set aside the whole week. And I thought I got off the hook if you had parent-teacher conference. You're like, oh, no, we're not going tonight, thank God. No, no, no. You went to parent-teacher night, and then you went, because at least you got on the altar. And both of my parents worked full-time jobs. Finished at 11. You were sick. You went to church, because that's where you got healed. Or at least they, that's where you prayed for healing. Back then, we prayed more than we believed, so we just we were happy praying. This is what they modeled to me, commitment. But one day, because I'd run around the church, my mom prayed about everything, still does. I know I'm here because my mom prayed for me. I know disaster's been avoided in my life because my mom prayed. I'm not exaggerating. I've, been, I've started to believe God for this. I believe because of the prayers my mom prayed, God has treated me a certain way. How do you, you know why that's biblical? Because hundreds of years after David died, they go, I'm going to treat you this way because of the decisions of my servant David. You're making generational decisions. So she brings me to the pastor. I was running around the church. She's tired. She goes, can you please pray for my son? I'm tired running after him. This is not a man given to prophecy. He backs up and he goes, you don't ever have to worry about this kid. I have never felt an anointing like I feel right now in God's hands on this kid. Oh, boy. Now, she didn't need it, but she needed it. She grabbed that prophecy. She already prayed. So what was modeled in front of me? What was modeled in front of me is that God wasn't about going to a service. That we were committed to the things of God. In the mornings, my dad would read a scripture. I still remember scripture he put on the inside of me when I was a kid. I remember a program in family radio. It was a family Christian station in New York. because I grew up outside New York City. And this man has passed away, but they still pray his programs. He talked about leaving a legacy. still remember what it said. He said, walk with the king today and be a blessing. That my dad would pray for us. Where do we find this in Scripture? This is really interesting. Look at Daniel chapter 1. In the third year, this is uh, verse 1 of Jacob, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came into Jerusalem to siege it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Why would the Lord allow that? Because they, were, they, they had given room to the enemy by serving idols. So now they are open season on the enemy. With some articles, the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of God, and he brought his articles into the treasure of the house of God. And the king instructed 
Asna, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some nobles, and young men whom there was no blemish but good-looking. Now, in my Bible, in the parentheses, it says like Abner. I don't know if it says that in yours. Might not be in, might be special translation I have. Gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, whom they might teach the language and the literature the child did. That is another principle that exists in our world. And it's this, that if we don't allow ourselves to be discipled by the Lord, if we don't teach our children to be discipled by the Lord, the world will disciple them. Founder of public education in America laughed because he thought the church only will get him three hours a week and I'll get him five days a week, six hours a day. He was a godless man. I'm telling you, this stuff, that's this, the, the fruit of what we're seeing right now in our society has been very intentional. This is not like people are like, oh, it's never been. No, no, this started many years ago. So the reason I'm reading this is they bring them in, they want to educate them, and this is one of the most uh, difficult times in, in the nation of Israel's history. But the beauty of this, these guys are like teenagers, these Israeli young boys. They're, they're no more than, most people think, definitely no more than 15 years old. And what happens? They, come, they, they, they bring them in, they want to feed them a certain way, and it says Daniel purposed in his heart. Here's another life principle. Your spirit has no defect in it. Your, if you're in Christ, your born-again spirit has no defect in it. And your spirit was meant to be trained and discipled. And if you will train and disciple your spirit properly, success and fruitfulness are guaranteed in the kingdom of God. One of the principles that Scripture teaches, and I know sometimes we don't like that word success, but God uses it in Joshua 1. Success is predictable based upon the choices that you make. That's another powerful thing. Because we'll go back to that principle uh, here just in a minute. It's that they're not created to take care of themselves, but they're given probably one of the most powerful things ever in the world. It's called free choice. Free choice is so powerful that it cannot override the work of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in your life. Now, He will put you in environments where it's really difficult to resist them, but you can still make the choice to do it. He is committed to the choices that you make. So these guys come in, and what's fascinating is this. Daniel purposed in his heart. He made a decision. Here's another part. So you want to train your spirit, and we'll talk about that more, how they do that. But what's one of the number one things you want to put in your heart you want to put in the Word of God. Amen. Not just once. Faith 
comes by hearing. And hearing 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 and hearing. I'm serious. I got it on when I wake up in the morning. I got it on when I take showers at night. I got it on when I'm in the car. So what's the point? Part of walking with the Lord is developing what I call godly habits. What's habits? Habits is something that you do that you still have the choice to do, but since you've practiced it so much, it almost becomes an involuntary response to the situation that you're put in. So I'm convinced that those young boys, there were still a remnant in Israel that their parents taught them no matter what, this is what the Word of God says. No matter what situation you're put in, this is what the Word of God says. This is what the Word of God says. This is what the Word of God says. So, when, See, I've learned this. In life, you can't choose to make a decision when you're in the moment. You've got to make a decision long before you're in that moment. So he gets into that situation, and he is in that situation because I'm convinced godly heritage allowed him to make those decisions. They had that kid's heart right. They taught him. I, they, they go, hey, I don't care what's going on out there. This is what God has taught us in His Word. So even if you're taken over there, this is the choices you're going to make. Choices. So this is what was modeled for me. So if I walked away from the Lord, or chose to serve the devil, listen, there's nothing in hell you want. There's really not, not anything you want. There's no part of hell you want. So I uh, grow up around the things of God, hearing, seeing. I never asked my parents if we're going to church. I didn't. That's like what a like it did. Why environment? I'm like that's a dumb question. We went to we went to church on vacation. My parents were so excited because they were so involved in church. They're like, oh, we ain't got to do nothing now. We can listen. I still remember. We're in Orlando. We went to that big church in Orlando. <laughs> I think we're going to sleep in. Yeah, you're going to sleep at church. That's what you're going to do. <laughs> Let me tell you, when your parents are like that, it's really hard to sin. I don't know if I didn't do certain things, not because I didn't get the opportunity, because I heard either God's voice or my mom's voice. And then they played that film, you know, about people flying away. Do you want to be doing that when Jesus comes? <laughs> I mean, that's, that really literally scared the hell out of me. So it's really hard. So I wasn't back here, but I had this God called wrestling. Flash forward, I'm 18 years old. Partial wrestling scholarship in North Carolina. God set me up. 
He's ordaining your steps. Even when you don't know it. That's for somebody. And He doesn't call you because there's anything that you have to offer Him. Everything inside of you that God calls is because He first put it there. It's a beautiful thing. In Him, through... If you ever think you're the source, that's another foundation of the kingdom. He's the source of everything. It's a place that you live from if you're a kingdom citizen. It's another part of the kingdom. God didn't just give you a new nature. He gave you a new way. Eighteen. I'm listening to this Baptist minister. And a young guy, just a few years older than me, read some of his books recently. I need to send him all for thinking of myself. But he's, he's, uh, he's preaching and he says, um, all I remember him saying this, he's telling these stories about these young uh, men preaching the gospel in a Muslim nation and they would preach the gospel and then they would get beat with rods and they'd throw them out. And they come back the next day and preach the gospel. See, when you're convinced of something, death doesn't scare you. So, I'm listening to this, and it wasn't, I, it wasn't like I felt this deep conviction. I just had this thought. See, most people dismiss, I've learned this walking with the Lord, most people dismiss God's thoughts as just them. But I had this sense that night, that if I don't surrender my life completely to the Lord, somehow, my life would not end up as God intended it to be. See, if I ever decided to serve hell, it, I could never look at my parents and say, you didn't model this correctly. It would have been Abner's choice. So I'm in the back of the room, and you know what's coming if you're evangelical. You know there's an altar call coming. And I'm in the back of the room. Because that's what you do when you're backslidden. <laughs> At least me, not you. I'm not saying it's anyone. You said it's close to the back so you can get out as soon as that meeting's over. And I said to myself, I need to surrender everything to God tonight. I'm all in. And he said, if you'd like to surrender or receive Jesus was the time, I stood up. And literally, when I stood up, my whole life changed. I didn't feel anything, sense anything. I knew from that day forward, I, I actually saw, saw my heart, I don't know how I saw it, but I saw myself going around the world, preaching the gospel, power God displayed, and I knew I had this call to preach the gospel from that day. Who qualified me to preach the gospel? God qualified me. Man can only confirm what God has said. Literally, I knew. So there's another foundation for life. You cannot understand God without complete surrender. Now, He loves everyone. But what happens is when you surrender to Him, you open yourself up to an ongoing experience of Him over and over again. So the only door into the kingdom of God 
is complete surrender. And one of the things I've learned is I made that decision in the fall of 1996, but I had to make that I had to make that decision over and over and over and over and over and over and over. I write it in my journal almost every three days. Father, today, with your help, because I can't do this on my own, I make a fresh commitment. I make a fresh commitment to seek you with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind. Your kingdom is first. Your word is first, and your voice is first. I will do what you ask me to do. And the first thing that Jesus does when he calls you into the kingdom is he calls you to himself. And if you're really, really weak, no problem. He specializes in inviting really weak people in. If you've really messed up, I don't care how many times you messed up. I don't care if you've been married seven, eight times. He does not hold your past against you. He's not caught up on that stuff. But because, because before the foundation of the world, he chose you and he knew what he got. Is he grieved by your choice? Absolutely. But he's not caught up by it. So you go into this door called surrender that is a constant theme in the kingdom of God as he gives you understanding of it. And he calls you to himself I remember the very next day, here's another foundational kingdom. You can't know the king in the kingdom unless you know the king. And it's possible to know about God, but not know God. It's even possible to do miracles and all these other things that you see that are fruits of the kingdom of God and still not know God. So I remember, sorry that day, I said, I said to the Lord, you know, it gets, it gets really fun when you go all in. I mean, this is where the greatest adventure really begins. But I remember, I said, God, I'll do it. I'll leave school, you know, like anything. It's really important. Obey the Holy Spirit. There were moves of God happening during that time. There were schools where I said, God, do I need to go? No, it's not what I have for you. I have a school of the Holy Spirit for you. And I'm going to prove my will through your life will not be through any man-made way. And I was really excited until I started the school of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I remember Fine. I had my red Bible there that I hadn't read because you don't have time to do that when you're chasing girls. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to know you, God. I know I have to get to know you. And I want to know your word and I want to know you. So every day, because I, I, was, I was taught, you know, as an athlete, just got to train. So I was like, I got to train here. Got to know him. Here's another thing. Jesus says, I only do what I see my Father doing in heaven, right? 
and you will see that the Father called him to intentional times of fellowship and prayer. So those are requirements in the kingdom of God. It's another one of those habits and disciplines. You don't want to ever go a day in your life without dialoguing with the Lord. But I remember sitting there, I'm going to talk to you, God. Like I don't suggest this. This is how I started, though. And I remember I prayed about everything you can pray about. I was waiting for the angel to come, the heavens to open, and it was so boring. What I didn't know is this. Because you've been so discipled according to the world system, especially things move so quickly, you have to learn and ask God for the grace to learn how to calm your spirit and how to begin to connect with God. Your fellowship with God is not to get God to show up. He already wants to show up. One of the number one jobs of your fellowship with God is receiving from Him. Lord, today, thank you that I start at the place of righteousness and I've come here to receive from you. All I have is my weak little life. So please take my life today, again. But I knew something. I knew a verse in Scripture that he said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I knew that. So I knew if I stayed in that place, eventually God was going to come. Because I can miss it but God can never miss it. And He would never lie to me. And my life began with the Lord in this place. And my life really took a big turning point in this area when I went to Brownsville. And I went that week. That's another thing that happened. There was a deep hunger put inside of me for the things of God. I just could not deal with anything. Like, I, didn't just, I didn't just want surface stuff. You know, well-meaning people tell you, you know, eventually you'll calm down. And I didn't really want to calm down because I didn't want to be lukewarm like them. I wanted everything. I asked the Lord. I said, I want, I said, I've given you my life. I'll do anything you ask me to do. I'll serve you anything you want me to do. But, I want to see everything in the book. But I went that week, and the reason I went, I went with my mom. <laughs> I went that week because a lady by the name is a South African woman, Suzette Hatting, was speaking that week in the Bible college. And the reason I went was because I knew this lady spent hours with the Lord. And I knew... I needed to learn how to cultivate a life of fellowship with the Lord. And so, do I need to finish? Oh, I didn't know if they, okay. Everything okay? You know, they're saying, it's time to do it. Time, you're done. <laughs> and she made one statement. You might think it sounds really simple, but I didn't know. No one's teaching me. The Holy Spirit's my teacher there. No, I'm, I'm, I was part of it, you know, I joined, became part of a church and stuff. 
But she, she said, the majority, in her South African accent, the majority of my time with the Lord is spent in worship. And I said, what? I didn't know you could do the two together. So back then, it was mostly tapes still. It was 97 or 96? 97. Summer 97. So I bought every live Integrity album there existed. And I had worship one end to another. And something happens when you fellowship with the Lord. You learn His voice. You have to become a student of His voice. No one can discover the voice of God for you. I can give you ways He speaks, but you'll have to discern it for yourself. And that voice will save your life. But this is where it gets really good because when you go, especially at like a light tonight, I'll do anything you want! Yes, Lord! I know he loves it. Because he's going, oh, he has no idea what he's saying. <laughs> yes to. This is going to be really good. This is so good. So excited for this one. And I can see him like, I, I honestly, I, you guys see Jesus, you, like, he's like, you're getting them now. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit is also incredibly practical. Talk about that in a minute. So, when I'm learning his voice, this is how he speaks to you. Abner! Because you said you wanted to follow it. Please do this. I remember sitting in the back of the church, he asked me to do something at my friend's church one day. He's having his church anniversary. I'm going, I think that's you, even though he's like screaming it. And he goes, you know, but then I'm like, I think it's you. I just want to make sure it's you because it's like a really big risk. <laughs> I need a few more confirmations. <laughs> and he's really gracious. He'll do it. I, I told the Lord sometimes. I was like, I believe this is you. I just, just really, really need to know it's you. He spoke to me in a similar about a similar area in my life just a few weeks ago. And this is how he speaks to me now. Can you please do this for me? I'd like you to do this for me. Why? He's now made me responsible. You know my voice. And I'm not going to give you eight confirmations. He spoke to me about the same thing. Now, I did what he told me, but he was like a similar area. And the other night I'm praying... I go, do you really want me? Yes! Fine. <laughs> Did it. Done. Done deal. His voice comes out of a life of fellowship with him. But also, this beautiful thing called encounter. I've had some of the most, I don't ever say weird, because I'm normal. Some of the most interesting encounters with the Lord. I had, um, I had prayed for many years. I, I, I just like the new year, because it represents like a new season. So I'd asked the Lord for many years, 
I said, Lord, I'd like, you to, I'd like to have a, a nice visitation on New Year's Eve. I mean, he would speak to me, but not anything like, you know. Two thousand would have been, I think, two thousand fifty. I don't have it in front of me. I, I wasn't planning on saying all this tonight, but here we go. But I'm in Spring Valley, California, ministering on New Year's Eve. Front row, and this is what I'm thinking: the worship is gone way too long. These people are falling asleep because they all had a fellowship already. I'm just telling you because I wasn't thinking very spiritual thoughts. So I had something to say to that. Here comes Jesus. Have a visitation of Jesus. And he comes to me. He says, You! I don't want to say everything he told me. You are my prophet. He's very, never mean, never cruel. But I knew what he was saying. So it's like 1 o'clock or 1.30 in the morning. I'm driving back to where I'm staying that night. San Diego, California. I go, Lord, why did you come tonight? He goes, I never forget anything you asked me. Encounter, see, Jesus encountered the Lord in the context of fellowship and prayer. Look at the book of Luke when he's baptized. It says, baptized, he's praying, and heaven opens. There are certain things that you don't receive unless you live this lifestyle of encounter. It's not that he's mean or cruel, but it's equal opportunity, not equal fruit. Because for whatever reason, not everyone wants to see or, or has positioned themselves to see his face. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Now this is also important. There are certain things, I've learned this, that you won't learn unless you've made the decision to be all in and unless you're experiencing certain things and out of those experiences you have, you get to ask questions, but he won't just throw it out there to you. What do I mean by that? It's the positioning of a hungry heart that positions themselves to be able to dialogue with the Lord to receive certain things. Let me show you this in Scripture. Look at Luke 11. I told you I'm just, I hope I'm making sense. I think I'm making sense, but I'm just talking tonight. Look at Luke 11. Now it came to pass as he, as he was praying in a certain place. Notice again that the model of of kingdom instruction is he brings them to himself and then he models, he puts them in an environment where they can see certain things. So, I want to show you biblically the concept I was just talking about. The concept is this. They have left everything to follow him. They are all in. In the context of being all in, they're observing something. This is fascinating to me. They don't ask him, "Hey, how do you how do you raise the how do you raise those dead people?" That's pretty cool. The demons just fly. Oh, there's lots of demons on those religious people. 
Now, they might have asked him, but Scripture doesn't record it. So they're all in, but through observation, they go. The prayer. The fellowship. He seems to understand some things from that place. But he doesn't give them a lesson on prayer in their normal instruction. They have to ask him. Your personal hunger and inquiry of the Lord leads you to a life of great understanding. Lord, teach us to pray also as John. This is fascinating to me because he doesn't, he never submits just, hey guys, let's get together. I'm going to teach you how to pray. And it's one of the most fundamental, basic values in the kingdom. But he doesn't just, hey guys, let me teach you how to pray here. They have to ask him. But he told them the key on how that one worked. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst so what does he do? He gave him the he gave him the principle, and then he goes, "What you gonna do with that one?" This is one of the beauties I've learned walking with the Lord. You get to ask God questions, and everything He tells you, you can do. I was in uh, Switzerland, March of 2017. I'm going back there. The Lord has just connected me with that land. I'm going back there in a few weeks. And um, wild bunch of people. God's doing some wonderful things in Europe. The worship leader's always drunk. I met those guys. I was in London and they were in London at the same time. So I met him at Heathrow and he's drunk at the airport. It's good. Holy Spirit drunk. Sometimes you feel you can't see what people are. Like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> That's how you know it's real. Might be religiously manufactured if it just happens in the church. It's my last night there, first time in Switzerland. The band is warming up. And I don't know anything about like music or how to play notes, but I know something about sound because I've heard the sounds of heaven. And I like these percussion things. And the Lord says, or I just started messing around with it, really. You don't even know the Lord's setting you up half the time. So it's getting close to service time, and I I think to myself, I'm going to let the professionals deal with this. And I hear the voice of the Lord. I want you to play. Think of myself. You have got the wrong guy. I know it sounds really dumb, but like, you know, you think you're being smart, but you just like, I could just see God up in heaven. Go, what is like, what is his problem? Okay, I said, God, I don't play. I want you to play. I said, I don't, I don't think you understand here, God. We have a problem here. I want you to play. 
I don't think I'm going to do that. So, I, you know, I'm not actually saying, but you're, you're having this conversation in your mind. And then he always gets into this. Well, if you don't want to obey me. And then you think all the time, I do whatever you tell me to do. Okay. And he's told me some wild things to do. I said, fine. So I start playing and singing. It was really bad. And I'm going to tell you, the Lord had set it up because my good friend John Heiss, who's a worship leader, taught worship at Elam, he was there. You know, sometimes you're like, you know, I don't, I don't, like, I don't like any sort of exaggeration because it's lying. You know, and, and then other times you're just not self-aware. You think it was awesome and it just sucked. But, you know, <laughs> you know, it's just true. You know, like, the reason I'm saying that, he, anyway. So the, I hear the voice of the Lord go, no, I didn't tell you to sing and play. Just play. So my eyes are open. I usually can see angels. So when I say I see Jesus, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not speaking by faith, even though you can do that. My eyes are open usually all the time. So he said, just follow the angels. So, and the band starts following me. And it goes into this wild prophetic worship time that goes at least 35, 40 minutes. And then I stand up. Honestly, I got drunk. Got completely just intoxicated. And I stand up, give this wild word about Switzerland. Goes into a wild night. Last year when he introduced me at the conference, he goes, we didn't actually introduce him last year. But here he is. You know. In fact, when I went back this year, they had the djembe ready for me. I played the last night. At the end of the, the service, leader's wife, who leads the team, she said, that was amazing. I said, I've never done that before. She said, oh, we all followed you because it was so great. God will make you look real smart. I asked John, how'd that go? He goes, well, it was bad at the beginning. Then you got it going. <laughs> the Lord got it going. So I go back to my hotel room. Go back to my hotel room. By the way, the ability to see came out of an experience I had with Jesus when he visited me, opened my eyes and my ears. That's why encounter is so important. Go back to my hotel room. It's real late that night. And I asked the Lord. I said to him, I said, um, what just happened there? He gave me a very simple response. I said, I got I What just happened tonight? He said, you can do Anything I tell you to do by faith. Listen to the Holy Spirit and watch the things that God speaks to you. You have to be a good steward of. I was in um, somewhere. I don't know if I was in, I don't remember. I, I think it was, it was probably listening to him. I was listening to Mike Bickle many years ago. They made this statement, changed my life. He said, some of you are going to be drawn into the lives of generals 
in the body of Christ because it has something for your life. And it struck me. I said, that's the word of the Lord for my life. That's another thing. The ability to discern a direct rhema word is really important. So, I, uh, I, said, I said, Lord, you're speaking to me. Show me. He said, Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts. So I have read just about everything there is on that man's life. I'd like to get a doctorate degree through ORU. I'm looking at doing it by now. Oral was at the end of his life. And I knew he was at the, I just had the sense, Oral is going to transition. Notice I said transition because we don't die if you're in Christ. If you have a relative who's transitioned that was in Christ, believe me, baby, they're doing a whole lot better than you right now. And they wouldn't come back even if you prayed them back. And I knew Oral was, sorry, I just want to make sure I'm supposed to say this. Oral was meeting with young ministers before he died, and you'd go to his house, and he would pray for you, and really powerful. And um, I was praying. I, I didn't know how it was going to happen. I said, Lord, could you open the door for that to happen to me? Oral transitioned. The day Oral transitioned, Richard got, comes to his hospital bed, and Oral is rejoicing. He said, Dad, why are you so happy? He said, the Lord has told me my mission is accomplished. That's a good way to die. And he's taking me home. He finished the course well. I was, quite honestly, a little disappointed because I wanted him to pray for him. I think a year later, though, I'm in a, a, I'm in a, a room with leaders, and I laid on the floor. I went into an encounter with the Lord. Counter started like this. Looked like a farmhouse in the middle of the country, Oklahoma, where Oral's from. The scene switches, because he's how these things happen in these encounters. The scene switches, and Oral is at this kitchen table. Listen, before I finish this, know this. I'm not saying that you call up dead people. I am saying, though, I didn't ask for it, that you get into new age stuff, yes, for dead people. But, excuse me, people who transition. But at the Holy Spirit's leading, He will unlock things. Why? Because these people are not dead. See it in Scripture. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Moses and Elijah are there. So are Peter, James, and John, and Jesus. So what's the difference between a believer and a new ager? The believer doesn't call up dead people. But as the Holy Spirit opens things up, God will allow you to see certain things. The next thing I know, Oral's in front of me, laying hands on me. And he gave me a message from the Lord. I'm still trying to process everything that thing means. I'm saying, when you're hungry for the Lord, God unlocks very unique things in your life that are specific to your life and your purpose 
and you're called. The Holy Spirit is incredibly practical. It's very interesting that when these guys are called together, by the way, again, you see that concept that when Jesus called his disciples together, he called them into a community. The discipleship process is never outside the context of a community in Scripture. But he calls them, and he calls them to walk with him. And when he walks with them, their flaws come to the surface. (laughs) The reason I'm saying that is, when you walk with the Lord, he will allow you to be put in life situations that cause your areas of your character that need to be adjusted to come to the surface. So I'm in this journey with the Lord that started 20 years ago, and I remember I was in graduate school and um, had this very pretty popular position of a graduate assistant. And within about a week, I realized that my boss doesn't like me very much. And I remember, you know... Roger, you're being, you think you're being spiritual, but you need a Holy Spirit spanking. <laughs> you got diapers on, and you're the only one who doesn't know it. <laughs> but you think you're real mature, you know. <laughs> so I said to the Lord, I remember I got home one day. It was like a Friday, maybe the second week I worked there. I think the second week I worked there. I said, Lord, I don't need to take this. I always remember. See, the Lord will be real clear to you. He's like, that's right, you don't need to take it, but if you don't stay in this job, I can't do in my heart, in your heart what I want to do. I said, the devil is a liar. <laughs> I didn't like that. Community will save you, though. So I went to a pastor on staff at church. I, I gave it to him real bad, told him how bad it was. You know, being abused, surely he wouldn't want a God's son's abused, you know. And I'm telling you, it was, it was, you know, if you wanted to be a victim, you could be in that situation. I'm serious. It was not good. So I told him how bad it was, and he looks at me and goes, yeah, that's that's rough situation. But I, it's just kind of like, I don't think you need to leave. I said, the devil is a liar. <laughs> Big church, so I went to another pastor. I know what this is like as a leader now. You know, when people are like, are we just trying to discern what God is saying? It usually means God told them what to do and they don't want to do it. You pray with us to see if this is the will of God. No, it's the will of God. Again, I went to the top guy now. I'm real close to him now, but I, I, I laid it all in there. Maybe exaggerated a little bit. 
man, yeah, that's not a good situation, but God, God needs you to stay there. I said, the devil is a liar. Third time. Now I went to my dad. Just telling you what I did. Not saying it's right. I laid it in there. This is Custard's last stand here. And he listens to me. He goes, oh yeah, that's, that's tough. But sometimes we have to stay committed to the things we've committed to. And sometimes we're put in situations where it's not so easy and we have to stay the course. Okay. Yes, Lord. Sort of. I stayed in the job. And it was not easy. I never could fathom why someone would shoot everyone in their workplace until I got that job. <laughs> Not everyone, just one. one. One person I take. And then I realized that the pressure that this man was putting on me on a daily basis and the abuse is not really about him. It's about the emotions that were coming up that were already there that God wanted to deal with. And God used an unsaved man who the Lord finally gave me insight about a year ago of why he didn't like me. I'm not going to mention it. I'm just going to say he was different. Because before then, part of my cultural upbringing was overriding the fruits of the Spirit in my life. I grew up in New Jersey. I tell you how it is, and you ain't going to abuse me. I don't care who you are. You're my boy. I tell you how it is. Fine, fire me. I don't care. I'll tell, tell you how it is. I'm right. And I began to learn. Sometimes it doesn't matter what you say. Sometimes people will try and intimidate you. And you can't allow intimidation to overwhelm you. And all I had to do was finish my degree. So I finished it early. So he helped me finish my degree early. Praise the Lord. Year and a half. You're finished early? Yes. And I cried my last day at that job. There's a reason I'm telling you this because that set me up, because I didn't know what was coming six months later. Six months later, I get offered my first job, job, in full-time ministry. And I was very naive, Pastor Roger. I thought that if you were in ministry, it meant that you were whole. It just meant that you're called. And so... My internship was three times as easy as my first job in ministry. 
But if I didn't stay in the first job, I would have hit the eject button right away, and I probably wouldn't be standing in front of you because I learned things in those two years in that ministry that I had to learn too. Because he's incredibly practical. So it's likely if you're praying, Lord, I want to stay in your will. Because he's incredibly practical. I've learned that there's a certain grace and certain thing that functions on my life. Yes, when I'm in public ministry. Yes, I speak a lot of times. But I'm learning more and more before I'm a five-fold minister, whatever you want to call it. I'm a son and I'm also a disciple. And I have to be ready 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to be his representative. And those fruits of the Spirit are much more powerful than the gifts of the Spirit. It's really supernatural to respond in peace when somebody or a situation is trying to overwhelm you. Remember, it's Jesus operating as the Son of Man who releases peace. The peace came from within the world he's living in. That's what we're supposed to do. So he's, I was just going to finish that thought. Wherever you are, if you're in, if you pray, Lord, I want to be in your will, God is probably using the situation you're in to cause your internal development in the purposes of the Lord. When I was in graduate school, I think I made 850 bucks a month. What was he teaching me right out of the gate? I'm going to teach you how to walk by faith. I'm going to teach you how to live this thing out right off the bat. And I believe one of the reasons the Lord has asked me to say what I've said tonight is this. Because the Father's house is supposed to be a house that builds for the generations, shifts destinies one person at a time. There's a fire cloud in this room. Right? In the middle of this room. And the Lord says, Have I not called you? And have I not ordained you for such a time as this? And the Lord would say, Yes, there is great favor on this house. Great, great favor. Even the favor like Joseph, my servant. Favor to influence government. Favor to shift a nation. The Lord says you have not even conceived the favor that is upon you as a group of people. The favor of God is on you. The favor of God surrounds you. And the favor of God goes before you. My favor surrounds you. Every good and perfect thing has already been set aside for you. So I've caused you. I see like Jesus, and he's got this like 
like you'd see like this medieval pen in his hand. The Lord says, I desire to write history through the group of people in this room. The Lord says, I desire you to be a people who contend for your portion of the city. Did I not say to you, ask of me, and I'll give you the nations of the earth, and the uttermost part, the, the, the nations and the uttermost parts of the earth as your inheritance. The Lord says, I'm stamping you tonight with a mandate and a grace and a favor and a grace to take and believe for your portion of the city. Because I've called you, the Lord says, to be an equipping house. An equipping house. An apostolic family center. A place where the broken and those who have made the worst mistakes can see the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ extended towards them. Father's house, known for my love. Father's house, known to fix brokenness. Because the Lord says, there is no sin and there is no dysfunction that I cannot shift and change for my glory. And the Lord says, I'll teach you how to live from the inside out here. Favor for families. Favor for the races. I see the African Americans coming in. Hamul Sakabahaya. Believe for them. Contend for them. Because this is supposed to be a gathering house for the nations. Because that's what my father's house is. Believe for me. For unprecedented finances. I want to expand the vision for you to see. I want to, for you to expand as never before. See as I see and expand. I see like the, the foundation uh, pillars in this church. The Lord just extending the tent pegs. I want to extend the tent pegs of this house. I want to extend it as never before. Enlarge the place of your tent. Enlarge your heart. The Lord says in the next six months, I'm opening heaven over you to download vision. I want to give you vision for the next 10, 20, and 25 years for the purposes of God. I want to give you vision, Hamas or Kamahaya, for your own land. There's actually an angel, the Lord says, that's been stationed on a piece of land that is yours. multiple staff members, office space for the purposes of the Lord, regional and national gatherings, connecting with like-minded meters and connecting with international leaders. The Lord says, I'm going to bring the nations to Augusta. See this, the only way I can describe it is this ladder between Augusta and heaven. The Lord says, the spirit, just lift your hand. Hey! The spirit of wisdom and revelation is being released upon my people in Augusta. And a taking spirit to take back land 
where the enemy has occupied place. I see harvesters being given to some of you, harvesting souls, harvesting people, and harvesting this land for the purposes of God. Because the Lord says there is a very specific reason and purpose for this city of Augusta. There was a godly reason and a godly purpose, yet it's been polluted. And even false systems of man have tried to make a way. But false systems of man, the Lord says, cannot redeem this city. So I want to give you a blueprint like Moses to build their tabernacle and to lead a nation. To lead a nation. Vision for transformation. And the Lord says there are angels on assignment in this land. They're on assignment where if you'll hear and speak my word, they'll move into activity. This is part of the inheritance of the spirit of revelation, the Lord says, I'm releasing tonight. And the Lord says to his people, you are divinely protected tonight. Fear not, Hamas or Kamahaya. Fear not, 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 fear not. I saw like um, these two angels of fire just like guarding us tonight. So Lord, thank you for your divine guidance. And my desire, the Lord says, is to release a sound through the Father's house. A sound that releases notes into the atmosphere that unlocks people's eyes and ears to the beauty of my Son. That's why I came tonight. That when you see me accurately, you represent me as I am. Not as people say that I am. I am loving. I am kind. My kindness is extended towards humanity. But I am also righteous and I also just. And I also am beauty to behold. And one of the things the Lord says I'm going to do is I'm going to mark your gatherings. I'm going to mark the community of the Father's house with a people who do know their God. A people who know the beauty of the Lord and friendship with the Lord. That as the Apostle Paul said, a fragrance would be released through your life, through your worship of me. So the Lord says that this is a Levitical house, a house of worship, a house of prayer, a house of intercession, the Lord says, you may not even have known it, but every time you gather, it's an intercession. It's an intercession for your lives. It's an intercession for your families. It's an intercession for this city. You are a sign and a wonder in this city. And the Lord says, I'm going to silence the voice of the enemy that's tried to come against you. Accusation and judgment from believers who didn't even know what they were saying. In the name of Jesus, I just break 
false words, gossip, judgment. Go! In Jesus' name. Hamasakamaya. We, we release them to you because we know that our battle is not against flesh and blood. The Lord says choose well and choose to react to criticism honorably because criticism will come. But the Lord says, I don't want you to focus on criticism and judgment of even other believers and other leaders. I want you to focus on what I've said and you keep moving ahead. I don't know why, but I see this group of people like a, a big old like cruise line. And the Lord says, the cruise line's already left the dock and it can't be stopped. Contend for the lost, the Lord says. Contend for the lost, the Lord says. Contend for the lost, the Lord says. Lord says, I'm calling the group of people here to do warfare through intercession and prayer. And the Lord says, this is a season of bringing up the prophetic record. Pray those prophecies. Speak those prophecies over this land and see those prophecies come to pass. Hendemo samaya it's raining in this room. <laughs> Just lift your hands right there. There's a refreshing for you. Some of you, through the reign of the Lord, burdens and weights are being lifted now. Someone's lower back is being healed. Somebody's right knee is being healed. Somebody's right shoulder is being healed. Arthritis be healed. Hamamo shohoyo. Hinderebo shahayandarabo sahayandarabo sho. Sinderebo yandarabo ya. Sinderebo yandarabo sahaya. Just let the Lord touch you right there. Jesus has his hand on some of your hearts. There's an impartation to live out the first commandment tonight. If you want to receive that, just stand on your feet. Whoa, there it is. Ooh. Impartation to love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. I'm telling you, there's a special, there, I can say, very specific grace for that tonight. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
There's an unlocking of encounter for you tonight. Father, by what you told me you're releasing in this room, we just release the fire of God, the presence of God, and the grace of God to walk with you now, to fellowship with you, to love you with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind. Tell you, whoever that is at the lower back, the Lord is healing you tonight. You're healed tonight. Jesus is healing vision problems. Three people in this room, you'll just feel fire right now in your mouth. And it's um, just a sign. God is releasing an activation of a prophetic gift and putting authority on your words like you have not known. Shamamo shokomoyo simbokaya masakaya. Mama Mahaya, it's gotten really hot in this room. There is a, I believe, an unlocking of the abiding presence of God for the Father's house tonight. I believe there will be a marked impartation for an abiding presence that the Lord is releasing here. Kamasi Kamahaya. Thank you, Lord. Somebody's neck, the Lord is healing your neck. Be healed. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Simbukaya masahaya. Mendirebukaya mbahasakaya. Thank you, Lord. There's um, an angel of the Lord just releasing burdens and weights off of somebody. My peace, I give you. My peace, I leave you. There are, like, in the spirit, there are, like, nuggets being released all across this room. The spirit of wisdom and revelation is what they were singing about. Jewels. Jewels from the Word of God. 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 Thank you, Lord. this across the room. Say, Father, 
I receive your word. Let it produce everything you've called it to produce. In Jesus' name. Ooh, just let that rest for a minute. God will speak right now. There it is. He'll speak. Mamahaya. Mamahaya musakabaya. Hamushakabahaya. Lord speaking all across this room. Just hear his voice. Hear his voice. The Lord's uh, giving grace to adjust. Some of you need to adjust your schedules for intentional fellowship with him. Grace to adjust. Some of you right now need to forgive. The Lord's putting people like, hey, you need to let that go. There's one person in this room you need to go to your boss and actually ask for repentance. Someone you need to forgive your mom. Some you need to forgive your dad. Some of you, one person in this room, Lord, is calling you to another nation. Mamahaya, Mahaya. 